We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good, everybody? Before we get into today's episode, big ups to the members of the Patreon. You know who you are. Let's go ahead and read off some of these names. We got Corey Johnson Hoops. We got Jake the Snake Powers. We got Nick Chavez. We got Christopher Velasquez, Daniel Gibson, Derek Plates, Devin Rendon, Mike Wozniak, and of course, my guy, Bills Mafia's very own, Ryan Pisner. Shout out to all the members of the Patreon. Right now, we currently sit at 58 patrons. I want to try to get it to 100 by the Super Bowl. If we do that, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and do something crazy, but for as little as a dollar, you can join the Patreon, and for as little as $5, you can get all the extra content and whatnot. Like this episode right now with Valerie, you could have listened to it last week. I already got some dope feedback from some of the members of the Discord and the Patreon. So pretty cool conversation. Val does a lot of behind the scene producer stuff for Channel One and News Outlet here in New York. And it was a really fun conversation. I don't have a chance to talk to many females on the show and... I am starting to do that moving forward. I got a really cool guest list of people coming up over the next couple of weeks, including today, a very special episode that's going to be recorded. Um, and it'll be out next week. But, you know, certain conversations that I can't have with Alan, right? So this was pretty cool. She likes to gamble also, which was a fun conversation. And just some of the differences between on air, live, and things that are produced and taped pretty fun conversation i hope you guys enjoy this and a really fun story and go and check out the six pack that's up right now that val did and every other guest that comes in they do that as well so sit back relax and enjoy this episode Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Happy holidays, even though you're going to listen to this a little bit after the fact, but regardless, still happy holidays, happy new year. I have a very special guest, Val Theophanis. What's going on? Hey, thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming by under these uh, crazy conditions and circumstances and in the city and whatnot. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. You've actually given me your phone here so I can have the notes for some of the questions and talking points. What's going on? How are you? 
I'm good, you know, working like crazy. We were just mentioning how we both work an early morning shift. Yeah, so you're one of the few people that feels my pain yes. as far as, <clears throat> excuse me, as far as waking up early. Like, what time do you get up in the morning? So it depends. So when I'm working from home, I wake up at like 3.50 because I have to log on at 4 a.m. But when I'm in studio, I wake up at 1.30 in the morning to be in at 3. Damn, so you actually beat me when you have to go into studio. It's like an overnight shift. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. Do you nap in the afternoon? So when I, when I wake up at 1.30, I do uh, because I just like, it's not sustainable. By like noon, one o'clock, I'm well, Yeah, shot. you've been up for 12 hours. Yeah, I can't. Um, but waking up at 3.50, I, I can like power through the day. I prefer not to nap actually when I wake up at 3.50, 4 o'clock because then I feel like groggy when I nap afterwards uh -huh. and I can't sleep at night and then it just like throws me off for the next night. So you just like stay up, power through it and then yeah. sleep like a baby at night? Pretty much. So my alarm setup is 3.15 and 3.15. Okay. So when I do nap in the afternoon, I wake up at 3.15 as well. Because I've been doing it for so long now where like out of college, I started working with my dad in the city. And I just like really gravitated towards like the food business. I just mm -hmm. like like the people interaction and whatnot. And it also, I call it the dream supply because it allows me to do all the shit that I'm doing now. And I have just become so immune to like two, three hour naps yeah. is what my schedule is like. So you'll see me go to bed at like 1130, 12 at night. I'm up at 3, 315. And I'm also a get see, up. I can't do that. I go. I'm very like if I, I don't I used to have FOMO, especially when I started. I'd have to like I'd go to bed at like midnight knowing that I had to wake up. Not at 1.30, but let's say at 3 o'clock in the morning because I didn't want to miss out on anything. Now, like 8 o'clock, don't talk to me. Don't call me. Don't reach me. I'm in bed and I'm sleeping. I was like, I need my like at least five hours, six hours of sleep if I know I'm having like a busy week. Um, depending on the news, obviously, there are days where I don't sleep at all. But I don't know how you do it waking up at or going to sleep at midnight. Yeah, I've just because the, the afternoon nap is very clutch. Like today, for example, I didn't nap in the afternoon only because I'm not working tomorrow. Uh, we're, we're recording this. It's the 23rd of December. So like Christmas Eve, we're not working and obviously not Christmas. So I'm going home for the holidays and like a Friday, I won't nap in the afternoon because I'm like, oh, I could stay out. I mean, I'm, I'm not really going out now anyway because of COVID, <laughs> but I'll stay up late and shit mm -hmm. and then I can just sleep actually. Friday into Saturday is my no alarm clock day. Same. I sleep, no alarm clock. What about Saturday and Sunday? No, dude, it's brutal because then if I wake up at like 12 in the afternoon, then I can't sleep at yeah, night. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten caught up in staring at a screen like i have those glasses over. i don't wear glasses but they're blue tint glasses oh, i have those too are, are they do you like them i feel like they've changed my life honestly y yes well the same thing with me <laughs> also so i, I face used to get migraines like vicious migraines from staring at the computer all day <clears throat> especially now working from home i feel like i'm working around the clock um and without the glasses by hour like nine mm -hmm. i could not keep my eyes open like the excruciating pain my eyes were like beet red like red like this mm -hmm. and i got blue light glasses i can like power through like doesn't i don't get migraines anymore nothing yeah i would get maybe it's psychological though it's not, in my well, head. <laughs> no if you actually experience that because i was the same way i 
one of my friends is a DJ, like an actual DJ. He has a record deal with uh, Sony and whatnot. And I FaceTime him one day and he has glasses on. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? You don't wear glasses. What's going on? He's like, yo, I wear these because I stare in front of monitors all day. And it's just like it relaxes yeah. my, my mind and my eyes. And I was like, word? I was like, yo, do they work? He's like, yeah, bro, they work. I was like, all right, cool. So then I, I bought a pair. And for staring in front of my, I tell everybody now, if you're staring in front of a monitor or yeah. screens or cameras and lights, you, you should them. definitely get them. I've also done a terrible job of introducing <laughs> what you do. I just realized we're like five or six minutes in and we were talking about like you going to a studio and all this shit. And what? Are, all right. So you tell everyone listening, what is it that you do? So I am a produ- TV producer for a local news channel in New York. Um, and I basically produce our morning show. It's a 24-hour station called New York One. And I also, prior to the pandemic or pre-pandemic, I used to fill in as a traffic reporter as well and do some reporting here and there. But now with the pandemic, I'm primarily a producer. So every guest that comes on the show, every segment. um, Oh, so you're the booker. I'm the booker. Um, I also segment produce. So... That's why my hours are so long because I'm working in the morning, actually on the morning show, like producing the segments. And then later in the day, I'm booking the guests who are coming on for, for the, the following next day. Show. Mm. Yeah. So it's a combination of both writing sometimes like for digital, um, if, depending on like if they want one of our stories that we produce. So it's a combination of everything. Damn. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the producer role is so underrated. Because you don't get like all the credit that you deserve, but you're the one that kind of makes the show go. Because like if you didn't book guests, then yeah, or create the segments, there's a lot that happens behind, which I'm sure you know too. Like yeah. so much goes on behind the scenes. Well, it's a lot. It's a lot different between what you do and what I'm doing because number one, yours is live. Yours is more newsworthy. I mean, like here is newsworthy too. Like you get your news and like hot topics of the week. But a lot of my stuff is pre-recorded, like this, for we example. We do pre-recorded things too. It's a combination, right? But yeah, I but like mine, not, mine yeah. are always pre-recorded. So in the event that someone, you know, I had a I had a buddy of mine, and he mentioned a project he was working on that wasn't supposed to go public yet. So then mm-hmm. after we finished recording, he turns to me and says, "Dude, can we cut that out?" and Val, I hate having to cut things out yeah. because it's an extra step with the editing. So there's a running joke. Like a lot of times I'll do the ad reads live on the show. And if I butcher something, I'm just like, F it, man. We're just keeping it in there. Yeah, and just keep you got to keep going. So the the extra editing and whatnot. So I hear you about the, the producing stuff because with this one, it's always sort of on demand, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, with the podcast, which is cool. So it's never really live. So there is that luxury and there's a level of comfort that, I think a lot of the reason why people have really gotten into podcasts, whether you consume it or you, you start one, is because there's not many places where you can sit and have like a long form conversation or also when you so have let me just ask you this then. When you do interviews with people, like when you set up for the show, mm-hmm. is do you know that you have them for eight minutes yeah. or you do So it's timed. Mm. So and we have blocks. So, like, if I know, let's say it's the B block in the 9 o'clock hour, I only have, let's say, 4 minutes and 37 seconds to have that person on. 
So, and each block is different. So, and when it's live, we need to be, I mean, there's some flexibility with the timing when it's live. When it's, let's say we tape something, it's a little bit harder. We need to like have that hard out, let's say at 4.30 or five minutes. Um, But it's funny that you say like, taping something is a little bit more relaxing because I feel the opposite. Oh, interesting. And I think that's because when I, like my first ever experience being on camera was live. So that's all I like really know. Like I've done tape things too, but with live, I feel like you have one chance to wing it. If you fumble, you just got to keep going. Whereas taped, it's like I mess up more because I'm overthinking it. And also, I feel like subconsciously, you're just thinking, ah, oh, if I F this up, I could do, I it, could again. do it again. Mm. And then I end up like not liking what I'm saying. Like I nitpick at things and I do it so many times where I end up hating it altogether. Whereas when it's live, it's like, okay, I'm doing it and it is what it is. And, you know, if I stutter or if I flub a word or if I say something that I didn't want to say, I just have to keep going. There's no time to think it over. You just, and if it sucks, which there have been times where my traffic reports have sucked, I'm just like, got to go through the next one. In 30 minutes, I'll have another live report. Oh, so it's every 30 minutes you would do a report if you were doing something like traffic? Yeah. So. Damn, that's so interesting. You know what? It makes sense now that I think about it because I was, I was never this comfortable in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. I've had like a weird it's hard to look at yourself and it's hard to hear yourself. The first time I heard myself, I was like, how do people listen to me speak? I hate my voice. <laughs> and I, I, you get accustomed yeah, to Yeah, I share this story all the time about how the first time I ever did a podcast about like five years ago in a couple of months, I've been doing a podcast since uh, August 2015 was like the first one that I did. I actually had done another one just like on a buddy of mine's show. But for the most part, as far as like being an on-air talent, I guess you could say, that was the first time. And dude, if you were to tell me that I'd be doing everything I'm doing now, and we were kind of chatting before we started recording about how, you know, there's some companies that have reached out to me. And I don't know, I still feel as if I don't deserve some of these opportunities because I'm not like properly credentialed. Like I don't have a journalism degree or broadcasting. I feel like things have changed so much though Mm -hmm. with social media with change like the whole landscape of journalism of media um i mean essentially anyone can report a story because you have the technology in on your phone in your pocket i mean and we've seen that with so many stories that have come up because someone whipped out their phone caught something on break caught a breaking news story and that's driven the narrative for local stations like the ones that I work at, the Mm. one that I work at. So I feel like you don't really, I mean, I have a communications and journalism degree and I think it's beneficial and there's definitely obviously benefits to having that. But I also think that there are a lot of blurred lines now because of the technology that, that we have today. If that makes any sense. No, that does. And I hear what you're saying. Not to and say that you're not deserving of it because you have that experience. Hey, oh, backhanded compliment. That's cool. <laughs> hey, you're taking my line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you dropped that before. No, but I, I hear what you're saying because I do think now it's, um, I, I learned how to edit everything watching YouTube videos. 
and people think I say this to be funny. Like, no, there's some little Indonesian kid with like I believe it. 400,000 subscribers. He's 13, 14 yeah. years old. And he showed me how to do anything. Literally that's, anything that's you want to know. the world we live in today. Yeah, with social media, that's been the one biggest change because I can Photoshop. I could do lower thirds. I mean, yeah. I had, there's a green screen over your shoulder over there as well. So it's it's a lot of trial and error. Were you, was this something you always wanted to do? It was. Um, I always had an interest in media. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I love and continue to love. Like, I really do love my job, um, which I'm fortunate to say. Yeah, a lot of people don't say that. Yeah. And I could tell from your vibe and energy that that's sincere. That's not just, you know, sometimes you'll ask someone like, oh, do you love what you do? They're like, yeah, I love it. But you could just tell they're miserable. Yeah. So that's, that's, I, I enjoy hearing things like that because I, I'm the same way with the stuff that I'm doing. I mean, not every day is great. Of course. Yeah. I'm not I, saying that it's always going to be sunshine and rainbows, yeah. but and for I the most part. And I bitch and complain all the time. Yeah, absolutely. But overall, like I love what I do. Um, I think it's also because at the end of the day, it's rewarding, right? We're mm. creating content that so many people can watch, can read, can hear, can see, you know what I mean? And so that's the rewarding aspect in that. It's informational too. Mm. That's another rewarding aspect of it. And then it's also like you're tapping into a creative side that you have. So it's all of these different, you know, things that you're doing to create a product that you can attach your name to. And so there's like that rewarding aspect of it. Um, You know, it was great. I love like when I was out in the field when I first started, like meeting people and talking to people and just having not being tied, like tethered to a desk. Mm. I mean, now I am, which is fine. But that's also because of the circumstances at hand. Exactly. Um, But when I was out in the field, it was like amazing. I mean, I worked long hours and I was lugging equipment and I was doing everything like myself. But I got to experience so many things. I got to see so much of the city, parts of the city that I had never been to before, people that I would have never interacted with if I hadn't been sent out on an assignment. And you also just get access to things. And I don't know. There's just so much about it that I love that is makes me love my job, if that makes any sense. Nah, dude, a, a thousand <laughs> I can go right. off forever Nah, that's ex- that's good, though, because I think anyone listening to this could tell that that's the case. And that should be what everyone should be doing you know i had um a lot of times when i have these conversations there's no like plan or script another Mm -hmm. thing that's very different from what you do to what i do where i'm sure and correct me if i'm wrong when you get a guest on have you prepped them on the questions you're gonna ask them yeah so when i like book a guest i mean obviously i'm booking the person because i know what i want to talk to them about so for instance um during the pandemic with doctors like Mm. we've had so many doctors on um but let's say um, with the vaccine, we had a doctor who is running their vaccine operations and distribution at a hospital. I'm not going to name which one, but um, we wanted to talk to that person to talk to see, you know, what that is going to be like, what their distribution process is going to be like at their hospital when the va- when they get the vaccine. So I, you know, go through their press office. I speak to the doctor get all their talking points, um, you know, see what they can answer, what, see what questions they can answer. I see what they can't answer because I don't want to give a question to a guest and they tell us, oh, I don't know, or I can't answer that question. Because mm-hmm. you also want to make them look good too. Yeah. And saying I don't know doesn't, there's no takeaway in that. Exactly. Um, it's so. also a waste of a question. Exactly. Well. And especially when we have a limited amount of time with them. 
So I mm. prep everything. Um, I write the script, um, introing the guest, you know, any B-roll that we have, I gather or I have to cut and make sure that it's in our rundown so that when our guest is on and she's talking about, you know, the freezers that the vaccine's going to be stored in, we have those images rolling over the interview so that our viewers can see what she's talking about. So all of these elements, all of the scripting, all the questions, all of the additional notes that our anchor needs to know is what I prep in advance and what our producers prep in advance. So... Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's... A lot of planning. Yeah, for sure. Way more planning than it goes into to what, what I do. It also depends on the guests, right? Like I had the guys that I'm fascinated by Pablo Escobar and like Narcos life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never done any drugs. I've never... I have no like ties to Latin America or anything. Like it's just it's the weirdest thing. It's just I'm obsessed with it. So I had the DEA agents that took down Pablo Escobar, the one that... Have you ever watched Narcos? I have, yeah. So the the two guys, Javier Pena and Steve mm-hmm. Murphy, I had them on the show. Awesome. And they... That's the most prepared I've ever been for... Because that one is also different, right? Like there's actual stats and mm-hmm. there's facts that I need to make sure is correct, like... There was something I read where it was from 1988 to 93 when Escobar was at his, his, his peak of his powers. Medellin, Colombia was the number one murder capital in the world. So when I asked him that question, I was like, you know, I, I even sourced it, mm-hmm. which is something I've never done for a podcast. When I interview athletes or anybody, even like with you, for example, I when I reach out to them, I do tell them what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, so far, there's a couple of things that we've just discussed that we didn't really plan for. But it just so happens where I give you an idea of what I want to ask you for. Because it just makes it easier for you, yeah. makes it easier for me. So there is uh, an initiative taken to have some planning the way you do. Yeah, and I mean, when we are live or let's say we're in a breaking news situation and we have a reporter in the field and, you know, they're on the scene... There's really no planning there. I mean, there could be, let's say, an explosion. Go to the scene, figure out what's going on, talk to anyone who may have seen or heard anything. And in that situation, you're given whatever limited information you have or whatever information you have at hand, and you have to go and kind of figure it out. And if we're taking you live and you're talking, let's say you find a someone on the street. Who, like a bystander. Yeah, okay. who, let's say you know, saw a garbage can blow up. Right. You know, that's a live interview where it can go kind of in any direction. I mean, sometimes you need to kind of, you know, I don't want to say, you You kind of need to gauge like who you're also talking to. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in any way like profiling, but like you're not going to talk to someone yeah, you're not who gonna... says, oh, I didn't see anything. Like what's the right. point Yeah, that? that's a waste of time. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. You know, you want to find someone who can actually give information that's useful. You know what I mean? Have but those you, interviews can be live and spontaneous and unscripted. And you kind of just have to go. And sometimes they're the best interviews. We well, get amazing, like, man-on-the-street interviews. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, no, those are good. And people are always curious when they see camera. We've done some man-on-the-streets. When Impy used to be on the show, we'll go and record into the in the city and whatnot. And people are just naturally curious. Like, they see cameras. They're like, wait, what's going on over there? 
But New York is also full of characters. So you never know who you're oh, going to speak to. Oh, a thousand percent. So like yeah. you can find someone off the street and ask them something. And it's like the best interview you ever had. And you would have no idea because like who is this person? And they end up being like a star. You know what I mean? And then they might have a viral moment. And then before you know it. Yeah. Let me ask you this one. Mm-hmm. When you have the ability to show up to a place and, you know, it's live, like breaking news um whatever uh one of those steel vans the back door open and there's like cash everywhere which has always been like a pipe dream <laughs> never of mine. had a moment like oh, that, yeah but. i know that'd be awesome <laughs> and please let me know if there ever is one so i can pull up right there but when it's live and again there you uh, you kind of don't know what's gonna happen so yeah. have you have you ever experienced whether you were in front of the camera or you were behind the scenes like any awkward ones or Ones where you guys are like, Dan, that's a rough one to have to air. I mean, well, when you're live, it's airing. So you, as a, let's say the reporter, um, or if I'm producing, like the field producer, it's like, you need to wrap this person up. Like you need to figure out like how you're going to cut this interview off um, so that you can stop it and you can kind of save whatever is left of your live hit. I can't really remember off the top of my head any awkward ones. Um, I remember some good ones, like great ones, but I, I don't really... So give me a good one. Um, this guy in the Bronx, we were at Yankee Stadium, and he just gave the most like amazing soundbite ever. I wish I could remember it off like the top of my head. I would be butchering it. I like remember what but he do you, said. Do you remember what the context was? Was it about the Yankees? Or it was, was about it? the Yankees. Um, they were like doing very well. I'm also like not the best when it comes to baseball. Oh, don't worry. I'm a I'm a Met fan, and baseball is the one sport when when the Mets are doing well. Which spoiler, it's not often. I'm more invested in it, but it's a sport for me where it's very slow developing. It's there's a lot of games too, so I feel like I can miss two weeks, and you know they play 160 plus games. Right? So I'm like, ah, you know what? I can miss 20 games and then check back in and see what's happening. Whereas like the NFL, there's a game every week. So there's more sense of urgency. That's another reason why people love March Madness and college basketball because yeah. it's it's one game and you're out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, shit, every game we're losing. They're down 10. Like, what the hell? So there's a sense of urgency. Yeah. So this was like, I think we were just getting like fan reaction. I think they gotcha. might have won a game or they were doing really well. And we were just talking to, you know, residents in the neighborhood who live by Yankee Stadium. There are a bunch of, like, bars. Um, yeah, Yankee like across bars. the street. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So we were out there, and people were just, like, really excited. And this one guy just, like, was hilarious. And he was just, like, so excited about the Yankees. And Oh, sports oh are so God. crazy, It was man. just – it was he was a great interview. Yeah. I think I have the video somewhere. Spor- sports are – fan is short for fanatic. And as someone who, as I've gotten older, and it also is parlayed with the fact that I am a massive Giants fan. Like, there's the, I have gloves up there. I have, when they won the Super Bowl, I was at that one, too. Like, Val, they would dictate how my week was going to be. If they won, I was like, yeah, I'm have a great week. If they lost, I was miserable for, like, seven days until oh they started God. playing again. But as I've gotten older, it's the one team that still drives me the most crazy but I've become way more rational with my fandom where I guess because of doing the show, like I do more research on the teams and the expectations are a little bit lower. And then when I do believe that they could do well, 
that's when I get devastated. Like when I have expectations for them and they do, and that's yeah. across like all sports. So with the fan thing, it's just a, I always say how like it's the one relationship that people are in where even if it's bad, you just like gotta it. be in it, right? <laughs> I'm like, dude, why am I a Knicks you fan? They've leave. been, uh, yeah, I'm 29, right? I'll be, I'll be 30 in March and they've been good for two of the 20 years that i understand sports it's like why am i putting myself through this pain i know it's such an investment too but yeah. you know it's something that people love are you are you do you follow any sports are you into any i do i, I mean, think i saw you one time at a ufc or you were at like a bellator are you into fighting no i've just showed up oh you like, just like friends were there and they had like one of those suites oh you're so just like, like all right cool all right. Let me go. Let me see what it's about. Did you like it? I really don't like violence. To be oh, honest okay. with you. And like blood is not my thing. And like watching people get like knocked you know, out. Knocked and... out. No. So. No, nah, I feel you. It's not, it's not for everybody. It's become my favorite event to go to, though, because it's also you're there for about five, six hours. Yeah. It's a really long. We were there for a while. Yeah, you were, you're there for a while, which is really cool, especially if you're watching some of like the early fights. And then, of course, you have the headline. Well, that's the thing. Like the headline fight is usually like the last fight. Yeah. At like three in the morning. You've been watching from like eight. Y- yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah. The I'm pay- exaggerating. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. No, but look, it, when when the fight cards are in Vegas, I went to Vegas in March right before the pandemic hit. Uh, so my birthday is March 11th. That weekend was a UFC event in Vegas. And this year what I really wanted to do and I was starting off that way was prior to me moving into the studio apartment and turning the one room into a studio which we're in now i wanted to do traveling from the show and go and reach out to a guest that's from florida or texas Mm -hmm. and in a way i'm crossing off two things right it's a bucket list thing to actually go and visit houston which I'm like weirdly into Houston, having never been there. I'm like, yo, I just want to visit Houston. I don't know why. Can't explain it. <laughs> it's the same thing with Tokyo. Like Tokyo is my dream city to go to. And see Tokyo. I've never been to Houston. I'm not knocking it. But you've been to Tokyo? I've never been to Tokyo either. But if I had a preference over the two, I'd probably yeah, pick yeah. Tokyo. Shout out, shout out to the people from Houston. You know, I'll just shit it on your city. No offense. Sorry. <laughs> but no, I feel you. Yeah, Tokyo is like way more lavish and more just popular right like tokyo to houston like we wasted way too much time on this one (laughs) so i wanted to like do traveling and whatnot so i figured you know what i have i have a buddy of mine mike who is a videographer for a lot of ufc fighters Mm -hmm. he lives in vegas and i was like you know what let me make a weekend out of it Uh, i was able to get credentialed i meet up with a couple people from blue wire the network that the show Mm -hmm. is a part of and i go over there and this is literally the weekend before so my birthday this past year, Val, was when shit really hit the fan with COVID. March 11th, yeah, that was... Right before everything shut down. Yeah, that I remember coming back. No one was wearing a mask on the plane. Everyone was kind of... It was packed. Like, the plane was packed. Um, and I go to Vegas, and I meet a bunch of people, and I shot a video. I met up with my buddy, Andreas Hall, who does a podcast, and he's a blue wire. And it was weird because one of the reasons why I joined this network was because... The networking, right? Mm-hmm. And I was always a fan of his. So it was like 
dope to meet someone that you're a fan of and now like i have his number and we're friends and we text and whatnot so it was really cool so i go and i go to the ufc event and to bring it back full circle to the time dude they're three hours behind right in vegas it's 9 45 the event ends my buddy mike's like yo we're going to a bar and i'm like bar dude i've been drinking for like eight hours and it's only not it's 10 o'clock yeah. out there and then Val, the weirdest thing ever. I just like, I think because I put in my head that it was 1030. I'm like, yo, I'm way too drunk. Like, I'm out. He's like, bro, yeah, Alex, your last day. I was like, I know. In he's Vegas. Like, yeah, he's like, dude, what is going on? And my buddy Alex was with me. Alex, shout to Alex. He's the one that like does all the graphics and he does some editing too. And he's from Chicago. I, I bought a ticket for him and I was like, dude, come out. You know, like you volunteer and help out with the show. And some of the guys that help out with the show too. I was like, yo, I don't pay you guys. So, like, let's have, like, a fun-ass experience. Yeah. So, I got him a UFC ticket, and we went to the event, and we were hanging out. And he was like, yo, you're really going to sleep? I was like, bro, this is so embarrassing. Because <laughs> I love going to Vegas, too. It's such a great, like, it's a fun-ass town. It's always an extravaganza all hours I've of the actually day. never been to Vegas. you never been to Vegas? Never. Dude. I know. You have to I go. I know. It's on my list. It's a good ass time there's something to do at all hours of the day i believe it's, i've seen pictures and videos i've had friends who've gone it's just like the timing has never worked out for me yeah well you need to my best advice that i can give you for vegas it, do you like to gamble at all i do okay conservatively what i'm not you, gonna like blow my money i like roulette oh my, that's the worst thing you could play i know but it's fun because you don't know what's, on you, okay, what's gonna fair. happen yeah. i've actually hit pretty like decent on roulette too like the most I've won is like a little over a thousand dollars. Look at you go. Yeah. So it was the only one time I've lost everything else. But the way I treat roulette is when my friends and I go to Vegas or Atlantic City, we I like to go and we all put like fifty bucks on a color before we go out. And then from there it's just that's yeah. it for me. No, I need to like feel a table out, play a little, like I need to see who's playing with me. Like Are you at the table so long that you start knowing people's names um if i'm like hot then i'll say but then it lasts only like a little bit you know what i mean i can't believe you like playing so, roulette i, I also play blackjack too but like roulette i don't know it's more fun i'm like more invested in it so i play roulette is fun i'll give you that it's absolutely fun blackjack there is some method to the madness where yeah. you can i don't i don't want to say you control a lot of the outcomes but you have more control there than with the ball just spinning around. I feel like I need to concentrate more when I'm playing blackjack. And like if I'm drinking and like we go to the, like if we gamble late, roulette's just like easy. Like I know my numbers. I play them the same time. Like I always play the same numbers. Sometimes I'll be like a little adventurous and like play a number that I'm just feeling. <laughs> or I'll just like put it all on black or all on red. Um, but like you don't really need to like think that much. Right. So like if you're drinking and stuff, not that I'm like wasted when I'm playing or a huge drinker, but it's just like it's fun. Whereas like blackjack, I'm like, I really need to like do math and like think. And I'm like, no, yeah. I just want to just. No, for if sure. If I'm playing with this amount of money, like I have it in my head. If I lose it, I'm not playing anymore. Like that's my cutoff. Yes. Like I'm not the type of person where it's like if I lost everything, I'm taking out more money and playing. Like yes. I give myself like, OK, this is your gambling money. Let's say it's $200 or $300, whatever it is. I'm clapping because I'm loving what you're saying. No, but like I 
stick to that. And, you know, if I lose it all, I cut my losses. If I start winning and it's good. If I win a lot, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to like mess it up. Because I know I'm going to lose it if I continue to You're play. You're way more disciplined so than I am. So I'm like, I am very. I'm like, if I, because then I know like the next day, I've seen people, I have friends like who've won big and lost it all because they got greedy and mm-hmm. they got, you know, excited. And it's like, it ruins the night too. Oh. You know what I mean? It's like such what? a buzzkill. Yes. Like you win a couple thousand dollars and then you like blow it all within an hour sometimes even less and it's like you're such an idiot yeah and you just like screwed the whole night or like people who've lost all their like my friends who've lost all their money for the whole like our whole vacation and it's like why i had a buddy to like budget yourself i had a buddy of mine who lost about three thousand dollars 14 minutes into coming to vegas before he checked into his room i'm like bro we're gonna be here till monday i like taking the red eye back so it's the 11 o'clock p.m vegas mm-hmm. time you land in jfk or laguardia at around 6 6 30 but the reason why is you save like 300 dollars taking that flight as opposed to leaving at 12 in the yeah. afternoon do you sleep at all on it i sleep on any flight really any flight wow, my friends lucky. are outraged i was actually talking about this with dylan on an episode where we went to Toronto for OVO Fest and I was, uh, my friend Joe and I, we took the flight and to Toronto, it says it's an hour and a half. Dude, it's like 47 minutes. Okay. By the time it finishes the Ascension, you're it's landing. cruising yeah. and then it's like fasting your seat. But they don't even give you snacks, nothing. They're like, yeah, you're going to land. And I slept and I just remember him <laughs> sitting next to me and he's like, he's looking at me, he's like shaking. I'm like, what happened? Did it, was I snoring? He's like, bro, how do you sleep? Yeah. He's like, how do you sleep knowing that in 45 minutes, you'd be up. I was like, bro, I never sleep. So if I have a little bit of time, time you're I'm going to do out. it. But you said something that I think is very, very important. You need to be disciplined when you go to places like that because, I mean. It's really hard to lose. It's really hard to like lose it all. Oh, yeah. And Not quickly. Not hard. It's easy to lose it all. It's hard to. To win. Yes. Yeah. But I think the idea of actually going with a set because that's what i do when i go to vegas or atlantic city i have two different budgets i have my food drink and partying and i have my gambling yeah i like to gamble i'm not gonna be i mean everyone that listens to this know that gambling is my thing i personally play texas hold'em i love okay. poker pretty good at it too that's a very pure game mm-hmm. what i mean by that is if you and i sit at a poker table with john and mike the house and the casino doesn't lose money there. Every other game, the casino could lose money. From yeah. it. Where there it's, all right, Val's trying to take John's money. Mike wants Val's money. I want everyone's money. Mm-hmm. So there's that dynamic. So it's the purest form of gambling at casinos is Texas Hold'em. The thing that's whack about it and why I don't do it as much when I go play, I'll go at like four in the morning because it's a game where if... If your group of friends, my group of friends, we go to Atlantic City and we're all having a good time and we go there for someone's birthday, right? It's a whack thing for me to go and be like, oh, I'm going to go play poker and I'm going to disappear for five hours. Yeah. It's not a game where two of my friends can come and stand over my shoulder like in blackjack or roulette mm-hmm. or another cool game to play with people that you go with is craps. Craps is dope. 
Because craps is a game where everyone's involved and it's they want you to do well. I need to like figure out how it works. Best advice I could give you, six and eights. Okay. You, I've watched it you, and I have no idea what's going on. So what the people that have played craps, they know what this means. It's like if you roll six and eight mm-hmm. on the two dice is the most popular combination. Not popular, but it's the one with the most potential outcomes. So you just play six and eight and then... If you roll a six or an eight and I have played six and eight, then I win money there. Okay. And it's one where you just basically play the numbers. But six and eight is the one where you just do that and you just sit back and observe. But it's a game where everyone's involved. Like if Val's it's a party. On yeah, the table. we do. My friends and I, when we go to Vegas, we always block out a craps table for two hours. We go to a pit ball. It's like early in the day, we'll be like, hey, man, look, there's about 15, 20 of us because we roll deep when we go yeah. to, to Vegas. and. We'll say, look, this would be 15 to 20 of us. We're all going to play craps. Is there a way where you can RSVP a table just for us? So it could be just us, you know, like we mm-hmm. want to just vibe and whatnot. And they're like, yeah, sure. You just have to guarantee like X amount of money for minimum. the buy-in. And it's like, you know, if there's 15 of us, a $100 just minimum, say. And before you know it, it's a fiesta. So those games, Blackjack as well, they're funner. Roulette also. Yeah. I... I know about blackjack, but I'm not a blackjack player at all. I almost I almost had a guy fight me at a blackjack table oh <laughs> because I split fours. Okay. Are do you are you familiar yeah. with that means what that means? I, I didn't know what I was doing. I legit didn't know what I was That's doing. That's the one thing with blackjack too. You get someone who doesn't know how to play and it and fucks it, up the, the whole, whole table. Yes, yes. So I didn't know all this. So the guy had to have had a rough time. He was uh polo shirt. <laughs> not buttoned looked like he was there for hours and i just go and sit down and uh, i'm with my buddy espo i was like yo you're gonna hop in i I had like maybe 20 bucks left from the pool party i'm also hammered as well but again i just did it because my room was like right there so i'm like all right let me just do this yeah i don't remember what the guy had but i just remember splitting the fours because i always just thought like oh if you have the same car like you split it but that's only if you have like a 10 or a king or whatnot and the guy just face palms and he goes, oh, my God, this idiot. He like whispered it. I was like, yo, is that the wrong play? And he lost his mind. He's like, this kid doesn't even know what he's doing. <laughs> Get him out of here. He's yelling. And then he ended up losing his hand. I lost my hand, too. And then he like, I wouldn't say he followed me, but as we were both leaving. He was probably down who knows how much. Yeah. He was like banking yeah, on this yeah. one play. Yeah, and he just like <laughs> under his breath said something, and it was just hysterical, man. You see some characters yeah. at those places, but that's when like gambling does like loses its fun. It does, it does. It, but not with you, but like let's say this. Who knows what this guy like was gambling? Like how much he lost? It's like, yeah. But again, like you don't know. He could be a, a billionaire, and it could be nothing, and he just likes the the chase of it. <laughs> What's good, everyone? I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. If you guys are listening to this and you wonder if I'm going to be in that Discord, obviously I'm going to be in that Discord. Q&A's with the boy. 
Come on now. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for the initial setup. Guys, as someone who used to use different hosting sites like SoundCloud to distribute the podcast, I was paying the same amount of money. And I didn't have access to a Discord. I didn't get personal cover art. I didn't have access to the top podcasters at the network. So this is this is definitely worth your while if you're interested. So whether you're starting from scratch or you already got an existing show that you want to just grow the audience, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. I had a friend who one time his girlfriend was telling him, babe, let's leave. Like, you're winning. You're doing so well. He was up a couple thousand dollars. He's like, nah, I'm hot right now. I'm hot right now. Oh, that's like me. He ends up... He ends up losing the money he won. Then he lost all the money he sat down with. And it's like a running joke where every time I see them, he just goes, he puts his hand on his shoulder and he goes, babe, take me home. Yeah, no, I actually, I'll never, ever, ever do this again with anyone gambling. Um, we were on vacation, my ex and I, and whatever, we're playing roulette. And he was down. Um, and I was like, don't lose all your money. Like, come on. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, We'll, we're leaving tomorrow. Let's not like don't go crazy. Don't get like overexcited and end up like ruining the night because you're already down. I don't even know. He, I think he was down like seven hundred dollars, something like that. I was like, come on, let's just go. It's not a big deal. I was still playing. I was like, I'm just gonna finish playing first. Damn, you're mad selfish. <laughs> you're like, let me have no, my no, fun. No, but-, but I was like, or you know, I was like, play. He was like playing big hands. Like you don't have to put a hundred dollars on a number. You know what I mean? Yeah. Be a little bit more, I don't know, put a $5 chip. Like, you're down so much money already. So I had I had lost, like, a lot of, like, my money, too, that I was gambling with. But again, like, I had the, my budget. I had a $25 chip left. All the money, like, all the money I was gambling with the night I had lost. So I was like, you know what? It's $25. Put it on 13 because that's my number. And my ex puts 100 on 13 and I take it off because I'm like, no. And I'm screaming because I'm like, oh my God, I just won. It was like, what, $875, something like that? Or $925, I don't remember. But I'm jumping up and screaming. He's looking at me like he wants to strangle me because he would have won like three grand. Yeah, that's, it's the, 36 to one payout. The, yeah. Um, uh, dealer, or is it, I guess it's, she's called yeah, the dealer. Yeah, the dealer, yeah. Is looking at me because she's pissed at me everyone is just like i'm the only one celebrating and then i was like oh fuck i feel really terrible now but like i was coming from a good place but like he was so mad and then i was like okay i'm cashing out i'm going upstairs like have fun the rest of the night i'm not gonna i'm not going to i'm not even gonna talk to you um he ended up like losing all his money I felt really terrible, but now it was, it's a funny joke now. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, at, at the time it definitely wasn't <laughs> no, funny. No, he like didn't sure. speak to me for like a week. He was pissed. Oh yeah. I, I probably would have been <laughs> he was like, so mad. you know what? You got to worry about dinner on your own there. But lesson learned. <laughs> I will never, ever, ever tell someone like how much they can gamble, what they're going to gamble, nothing. So. So I have a, um, I don't know if I've ever shared this story 
I don't even know if I should tell it, but <laughs> I was playing poker one time and there was this person who long blonde hair, um, wearing makeup and we're playing poker and he's sitting two seats from me. We're playing and I'm like wasted. And it's the first time that I ever play cards like pretty drunk because that's a game where you got to think a lot mm -hmm. also. <clears throat> so we're sitting at the table and then I kind of start to like sober up and then I start to dominate. Like I'm like really, I'm figuring people mm -hmm. out. I could pick up on tails. So anyway, he, he loses a hand and then I say, nice, uh, nice play miss. So I say miss. Mm -hmm couple of hands go by uh he he ends up beating me and i say good job miss very well played i end up beating him and like he he goes all in i go all in and then i beat him and as i'm collecting the chips val an id hits me in the chest mm -hmm. i grab the id i look it says larry he goes my name's fucking larry Comes over, grabs the ID, and walks away because I was calling a miss yeah. the whole time. It's five in the morning. I'm hammered. <laughs> I see long blonde hair. I wearing glasses too. I can't tell. Yeah. Not speaking. And then I was just like, "Oh my god, this is so embarrassing." I just did it. I felt so awkward and and just like sketched out. Did you about apologize? It. I was like, "Yo, my bad, dude." Like, my bad, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely didn't make matters any better for sure. But I would say. As, as we wrap up the conversation about Vegas, because um, the conversation, they, once I hear gambling, it's like my mind just gets like yeah. overstimulated and I'm just like fantasizing about flashing lights and whatnot. It's, it's the one place where I think the biggest appeal to Vegas is the nightlife and the pool parties. And I don't really know exactly what that's like or is going to be like moving into next year and moving forward with COVID. Yeah. And to tie it back to like New York, we're both native New Yorkers. We grew up here. It's been pretty sad seeing some of like the just the living conditions and, you know, mom and pop shops like my family. We have a coffee truck in the city. I made my first big boy investment in a food truck with my dad and I haven't even been able to bring it out yet. Yeah. And it's just because there's no one. So a lot of my customers are office people. Yeah. And there's no one in offices now. So what kind of, how you feel about living in New York nowadays? Is it, is it, a, do you feel like it's a ghost town? No. No, because I, I don't either. I don't think New York will ever be a ghost town. I agree with that. Ever. Um, I mean, even when you hear stories about people fleeing the city, there's still 8 million people. And I, I don't think that's actual New Yorkers. It's a people very. going back to like their hometown exactly yeah um or people who are new yorkers and living in the city and they just want a bigger space and they're fed up with the city and they want to move out i mean there are people who are moving out like that too but as far as like new york being a ghost town or new york being dead like i don't think that i think and this is me being an optimist and being very positive but i think when we do get over this um whenever that is we're going to see a comeback to the city like we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. Kind of. I was reading an article actually um, in the New York Post. They had interviewed a professor from Yale 
who was saying how it's going to be equivalent to like the roaring 20s where people just like went crazy. Ironically enough, it's the 20s now also. As so, the- yeah, I didn't even put two and two together. You're right. But that's what I think. Um, and I think New York's always going to be a place that appeals to people. It's a place where you can come and do anything you want and be anyone you want and reinvent yourself, invent yourself, like network and, mm. you know. Well, that was that was the biggest appeal to New York because people will come into New York and I think the term is called transplant city, right? Or trans, what, what's... It's tra- when you're a transplant. Transplant, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's a city where you're right. There's always going to be the appeal to it and a lot of creative people come here and it's a go-getter town right it's a hustler's mm-hmm. town and i mean the hustlers like in in the most positive way you know like i like to say that i'm a hustler with yeah. all the stuff that i do but i couldn't agree with you more about new york and for those that are listening now it's you know like my business personally is down like 70 percent of what it used to be you know and it's because there's no one around in the city and you see boarded up windows mm-hmm. on businesses or for rent signs and whatnot but i think the biggest appeal to Manhattan and to the five boroughs has always been that you would put up with the bullshit of living in a one bedroom studio paying a thousand dollars a month, which might be a, a gift now if that was the case. But you do that because you're like, yo, you know what? F it, man. I'm down the block from all these bars and there's a nightlife and the train is there and I could get be in Manhattan Midtown in eight minutes because of my train. Yeah. Where now you don't have that. So that's where I think the big issue is between... How and that's feel why about I th- it. yes, and that's where I think people do have moved away because of that. Because let's say you're living in a studio apartment and you're paying, let's say it's eighteen hundred dollars rent uh, or two thousand dollars because you're in you know Midtown or where, wherever you are mm. where the rent is high. Um, you're paying that exactly like you said because of your accessibility to everything, to cultural institutions, to other people to just all of New York has to offer. And now without that, what's the point of paying all this money for an apartment where you're not able to utilize what's around you? Where you can move to another state, pay half that rent or pay a, a portion of it and have a, a bigger house. space, yeah. have a house, you know, or use that and have a mortgage and you're basically paying off a house let's say i mean there are so many things you can you know talk about when it comes to why people are leaving new york but personally as a native new york i could never live anywhere else really i've considered it um for work um mostly just for work but i don't think i could ever live anywhere else wow yeah you know they say about 70 percent of people never leave their home state yeah and I think it's very true. I, I show so much love to people that I had a friend of mine. She lives in Miami now. I went to high school with her. And she they they just had a I think it's the Miami Herald. I saw she posted mm-hmm. the article, but she got recognized as like one of the top real estate agents down mm-hmm. there. And she's 27, I think. She just woke up one morning. She's like, dude, fuck snow. I'm not shoveling. Yeah. And she just got up and left and went down to Miami. Miami's probably my favorite city yeah i love miami miami's amazing i mean just if you think i like vegas miami's probably yeah. my favorite and I mean, maybe i would move to go somewhere warmer well eventually. that's the thing like for us it's it's always cold yeah you know the winters are pretty harsh but here. that would be the only like maybe reason i would leave yeah I unless would, my family also was like we're getting out of here right 
Yeah, that makes sense. Also, another thing that ties me to New York. Right. Yeah, your family's here, Mm -hmm. and also there's a your infrastructure. Like you're familiar with your people. It's not a don't get me wrong. It's not a bad thing that people stay in their home state. I mean, I haven't gone anywhere. Even when I went to college, I went to Buffalo, so I'm still in New York. But I think I personally, so I always wanted to live somewhere else, but I never. You know, I walked out of my college class and my Greek professor was like, where are you going? I was like, I'm out. She's like, to where? I was like, yeah, I'm just not coming back. And I went straight to the dean's office and I just withdrew my semester and yeah. that was it, you know? And I I never, I never knew until I stumbled into this thing that I can make money to survive to live anywhere else because mm-hmm. like i don't have i can't go to a job unless it's a, a labor job like i could be a plumber or some shit go and le- learn a skill of some kind of trade i should yeah. say but everywhere else it's like you need to have your degree you need to be educated you need to go to school unless you create something like this so m- i feel really different where i would love to live somewhere else even before this, like, I'm not yeah. one of those, like, oh, my God, all dramatic and shit. Like, nah, man, New York is where it's at. I mean, I got this thing done because he's one of my favorite rappers mm-hmm. and the trade center is there also. So it's like I'm always going to be a New Yorker. And I moved back into the city when people were moving out of it. I kind of doubled down on everything that I'm doing w- with this. But that's m- how I feel about, like, living in New York. Yeah. I mean, I guess it could be cool to live somewhere else. I, I studied abroad, so I feel like I got a little bit of oh, a Oh, where at? I studied in Australia and in Italy. Oh, so. I got a wild audience in Australia. Like really? a lot of when, when you upload the podcast and you see like the different spots, a lot of Aussies. Yeah, I was in uh, I was in my school is in on Manly Beach or in Manly Beach. Um, amazing, it was beautiful. I went for winter semester, so it was summertime there while it was. Damn, you planned that shit out. Whoa. Um, it was amazing. I was there for New Year's. It was just, it was really, really nice. It's a beautiful city. And like my school, like I had a view of the beach from my window. What's went, it like studying abroad? Um, so the first time when I was in Italy, I went completely by myself. And, you know, it's a learning. Not knowing anyone. I didn't know anyone. Okay. I didn't even go through. I went through another school that accepted my credits from for my like from my school so like i literally knew no one i just hopped on the plane and was like i guess i'll meet friends there did you have like a midlife crisis at 20 or (laughs) (laughs) it was always something that i wanted to do and i was like if i don't do it now when am i gonna do it you know i wasn't nervous to go by myself um the first like two days i was kind of like I miss my family. I'm all by myself. I don't know anyone. Like, I don't speak the language. Like, I'm unfamiliar with everything. But by the time, like, my semester was up, I was like, I wish I could extend it. I want to, like, live here a little bit longer. I loved it so much. Um, Where in Italy? In Rome. And you just, you get used to, I mean, you get used to your circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. And you can acclimate yourself in a new environment, in a new place. You just have to have a positive mindset and you need to be accepting of what's going on. So like, had I gone there and was like, I hate this, I miss my family, I'm lonely, yeah, you were I don't be wanna miserable. make friends. Like, it's all about mindset. So I was like, you know what, I'm here. Like, this is an amazing opportunity. Let me go explore. Whether I meet a friend today or in two weeks from now, like, I'm gonna make the best of it. 
And I ended up meeting a bunch of friends. Um, we ended up traveling together to other places. We went to Barcelona for like five days. Um, I went down to the Amalfi Coast. I traveled within Italy. It was just really, really amazing. And it was a great like, per- like I felt like I personally grew too. Because it's hard traveling by yourself. It's hard being alone, like especially in a foreign country where you don't know the language and you don't know anyone. Um so all of that was just kind of new for me and I feel like it made me more independent and I don't know, it's a experience that I look back upon. I'm like one of the best things I ever done for myself. Wow, that's amazing. How was that being in a country where you didn't know the language? Because I went to Cancun for spring break, completely different circumstances, right? Like you went there for an education and to learn stuff and for school, I went there to be an asshole at the party. But didn't none of my friends that i went with all greek kids mm-hmm. so no one knew how to speak spanish and we well, went i feel like when you go to like a resort people speak english there were yeah there was no issues of not seeing people that spoke english yeah but it was weird when you know the cops came to our room because it was a situation on our floor they were looking for someone and they have like machine guns and oh shit and you know, it's four in the morning. What You're like, what the hotel? fuck is going on? <laughs> oh my God. And then one of my friends, Manny, he's Portuguese. So he was our translator. But then, you know, it's a very different like yeah. Portuguese and, and Spanish. So it was like super awkward in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Like when you would leave the resort or if you went to an actual Mexican restaurant that wasn't on the resort. <clears throat> so what was that like? Not knowing the language. I Did mean, you get acclimated quickly? Um, I feel like I did just because I, like, I speak Greek, which it's much different than Italian. I also know, like, a little bit of Spanish, too, so I was able to pick up on certain things. I also made it a point to, like, like, research words, like, you know, basic words. Yeah. Like, hi, bye, like, where is this? What is this? How much is this? So things like that. So I was, like, practicing all of that. And then you just start to pick up like in, at school, like some of my professors were very like adamant about like having us like learn certain things uh, or about the language. So I feel like, I mean, it's hard to learn a language. I feel like when you're older, because mm-hmm. it's just, it's hard to pick up a language. Um, but I feel like I acclimated pr- pretty well. I mean, I don't speak a lick of Italian. Um, I know like maybe one phrase like dove si trova which is like i think where is this or i might i might even be saying it wrong but like that's one thing because i kept saying like where is that or like where am i i don't remember i should probably google translate it but that's like one of the things i remember Mm -hmm. because i would say it over and over again just to figure out where i was going but the only like disadvantage to that is like if you say something and then they start speaking to you oh they just go and i'm like i have no idea i got lost so many times and i think about it now like i'm five two i'm a female like where am i going at night by myself in italy on roads that i don't know like i would never tell my parents this i'd be like oh yeah i'm safe everything's fine i never felt unsafe but there were definitely some sketchy situations where because i didn't know anyone because i was alone because i ended up taking a wrong turn um not understanding like the directions that someone told me that i ended up like walking down like random alleyways trying to find my way home at 11 o'clock at night or at not even 11 o'clock at night maybe like nine o'clock at night after a night class or something like that and 
I don't know. I think back, I'm like, I definitely have like a guardian angel or maybe I, who knows? Um, (laughs) It was like, so things like that got a little. So I'm baffled to hear that because that's never a concern for me. Like being a guy. And I, you know, I, I didn't have this moment Val until recently about like, say maybe a month ago. Um, my friends and I went to this girl's apartment in the city because she had just moved. She was like a childhood friend and she just moved. And I was in the kitchen making drinks and everyone was like in the living room mm-hmm. and someone knocked on the door. And I just went and answered like, in an apartment building. I just went and answered it. Didn't say like, yo, who is it? Yeah. And she was, she like came into the kitchen. She's like, who was that? I was like, oh, some dude knocked on the wrong door. She's like, you didn't ask who it was before you opened? Yeah. I was like, no. She's like, I would never do that. I was like, what? Answer the door? She's like, bro, yeah, I would never answer the mm-hmm. door with not knowing who it was. And then she's like, that's a luxury of being a dude. Like, yeah. There are a lot of things that. Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah. The things are endless. But that was just from you saying yeah. how you were worried about like, you know, like even us when we went to Cancun, that was around the time when like the drug war was really happening. I remember it was at least the national media was covering it mm-hmm. more. And literally the weekend before I went, this was spring break 2010, I think like mid-March. It was my birthday gift. So it was my 19, it was my 19th birthday. 19, yeah, 2010. Yeah, 19. So there was a kid from Rutgers that got mm-hmm. beat by militia oh and put into a coma. And my mom's reading this and watching the news right before me leaving. Out. She's like, well, you're not going. I was like, well, we just paid for this. Like, I'm going. And then the same thing. I'm like, yo, you know, we haven't left the resort, left the resort all the time. Yeah. Really stupid. Hindsight 2020. But again, it was never a worry for yeah. my friends and I, you know, like it's just. And then I guess the point you can say is like, well, why travel alone? as a theme but it's like i was going with school with the school but you also don't you never anticipate a situation like that as a like a woman you never want to be in a situation where like you feel threatened or like you feel like something bad can happen like walking by yourself at night which you could walk i could walk leave your house right now i will i am gonna leave your apartment and walk back to my apartment but even then it's like even though there's so many people around it's still like i need to be aware of like my surroundings and maybe that's me being a new yorker too but it's also like i'm a woman and guys are threatening not all guys no i know i know that like uh, it's something that like from a little girl i've been told like always be aware of your surroundings like you know you never know who's gonna like what crazy person is around, like just things that we're told that we need to be aware of. Yeah. You know? Nah, for sure. I definitely, I feel you. I was in Miami one time and I was just waiting on the corner for my food to get done. And these two girls just came up to me and were like, hey, can we just stand next to you for a couple? Yeah. I was like, yeah, whatever. I was like, I'm just waiting to get food. And uh, I guess like guys were following them. And then... As as they left, she's like, thank you so much for not wanting anything out of this. I was like, I'm pretty fucked up right now and <laughs> I just want to eat. So I'm, I'm going to I'm not going to stay here any longer. So yeah. hopefully like everything is good. But it's just it's such a weird it's a it's a weird thing. man. Yeah. Was it did you 
you also went to Australia. Which which of the two would you? If someone's listening to this now and they want to go study abroad, which one would you? I mean, two different experience, two different like. Now nah, you gotta pick one. No, no there's no two uh, different. Well, let me just say. So Italy went by myself. Okay. Um, I was eighteen years old, nineteen years old. I think I was nineteen. Wait, so you went like right off the bat? when you went to college like isn't that something you do as a junior or, or um, senior? again I i've went, never studied abroad so i have no idea what the process is like when did i go 2013 i think i went my end of my sophomore year um yeah so end of my sophomore year to italy or my last semester of my sophomore year and then um australia i took a winter semester the fall so that following fall semester. So after that following fall semester, I went to Australia. So it was really like only, I was in Italy, I came back home, and then I went to Australia. Mm-hmm. And with Australia, I went with two of my really close friends. So that was a whole different experience. Like that was- Because you had company that you knew when you were familiar. two close friends too. Gotcha. So like we had the best time ever. Um, it's also different when you're with two people because like you always have- some, right. Even with one person, you have someone to go and do things with all right, the time. Yeah. So I mean, it, it really depends. The food in Italy obviously is. Oh, it gotta be. I mean, number one oh on the god. Mount Rushmore. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, can imagine. So if you're going, if you want food, if you're a foodie, I would say Italy. Also, culture-wise too, Australia is beautiful. Um, but like, if you're interested in like historic, like history and um things like that, I would say Italy as well. But Australia also has amazing, beautiful beaches, um, culture, their city. I mean, Sydney is amazing. Um, So I guess it depends what you're looking for. What appealed me about Australia was that it's on the other side of the world. Mm. And I'm like, whenever am am I going to go back to Australia? I mean, I would love to go back. I do plan on going back. But at the time, I'm like, when else am I going to go? It makes sense because you're... This is an ideal opportunity. Yeah. and, And you being Greek... It just seems like Italy would be somewhere you would more likely. Surprisingly, there are a lot of Greeks in Australia. I actually met there up is, with. There is, yeah. Um, they're not related to me, but they're very close friends with my aunt who lives here in Astoria. And when I was down there, I met up with them. And they're from That's the same dope. like small Greek village that my mom's from in Sparta in Greece. So like talk about like a small world like i'm on the other side i'm traveling from new york to australia and i'm meeting up with people that people know, who are yeah. who grew up with my aunt like crazy you know yeah, but there are surprisingly a lot of greeks like i heard them speaking it too and it's also different in australia because people speak english right you know so it's not like i had to learn a new language learn a new language it was much more easier to like um assimilate you know, it just crossed my mind now. There's uh, something I want to ask you. And I, I usually have these conversations with women more so than with guys. Uh, when I told my parents I wanted to play football, it was very difficult to get my mom to sign the permission slip mm-hmm. to let me play football. This was also 2007 where people didn't know about CTE. People didn't know about concussions. Mm-hmm. People didn't know about... Dude, back then, the biggest concern you had playing football was worst case scenario was paralysis, right? Like you, I mean, that's the ultimate. Like to this day, that's probably the worst one. 
But like people were, you know, I I got a concussion when I played high school football. We're playing Long Island City and I got hit and my head hit like the cement underneath the the gate. And my buddy Dominic played for LIC and he came over and like picked me up. And we're like arch rivals, our two schools. But like that's that's like the homie, you know, and he came, he picked me up. And then I went to his coach and I was like, yo, coach, what's the next play? And his coach knew me. He's like, he's like, Nikki, you're on the wrong sideline. I was like, oh, okay. Oh my God, so was I that disoriented? I was like rattled. I still played though. If this was to happen now, You'd it was, you're done. You're field. done. If you yeah. even show it, like, you know, I ended up calling timeout also. Went over to, to my coach. My coach was like, are you all right? I was like, yeah, yeah I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I kind of just like mustered it up. Like adrenaline kicked mm-hmm. in. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, it's our rival. You know, it's a close game. I can't do that. So I had a difficult time telling my mom to sign the permission slip for me to go play football. I grew up as a soccer kid. I also kicked in college because, like, you know, my dad my dad played professionally until he was 19. Then he tore his quad, and then he started wow. smoking cigarettes. And before you know it, he put on, like, 50 pounds, and then he moved to the States. So <laughs> that was the, the end of the professional career for Tony. But the reason why I ask that is because women, obviously, you know, you want to have a, you want to have kids one day, right? Yeah. There's a very interesting conversation that pops up when sports come into the mix. Mm -hmm. And I love football. It's birthed everything that I have going on now. Would you let your kids play sports like that? And for example, let's let's use football as the sport that we're talking about here. To be honest, until you asked me this question, I really hadn't put much thought into that. Um, But... I don't know. I guess if my kid was really passionate about it and really wanted to play, it would be hard for me to tell them no. Um, but on the flip side, like you mentioned, I mean, just hearing that paralysis, you can, I mean, I guess you can, in any sport, an injury. Yeah, can it's happen. just, well, that one is, this, there's just more opportunities. It's more for barbaric some, yeah. and it's a gladiator sport where the objective is to Tackle blow someone. shit up. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess I would have to think about it more, but I mean, it is kind of scary because you don't want, obviously, you don't want anyone to get hurt, right? right? I mean, even when you're watching and you see someone get hurt on the field, like, it's heartbreaking, Oh, you know? dude, it, it's, ruins, it really is. It ruins, like, the rest of my day when it's someone horrible. gets even hurt. Even if it's on, like, a team that you don't like, like, you don't want to see anyone, like, hurt themselves, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um... I always say like you know I, I want them to jam like a like a, a pinky or something so they yeah. can miss a couple of plays like but it's like cool. you know you hear these horror stories of like someone like their career's over yeah. because of one bad hit yeah or something tragic happens and it's like you never know like you can get hit it can be you can trip down the stairs and like kill yourself which yeah. sounds terrible so like you never you can't live in fear right, really but. Right. When it comes, I guess, to football, I mean, there's so many times where you hear stories where, or like when you, like you mentioned with a concussion, like you get enough concussions and it's, I mean, one concussion is serious. Several, um, especially from a young age, let's say from high school or even from middle school, a kid wants to play, like you don't want to rattle their brain from such a young age. You don't want them getting hurt. So I guess I I would have to really think about it. I know my dad played ice hockey, which is also a rough sport um, recreationally. So I would go to his games when I was little, and you see people playing hockey and they're beating the shit out of each other, right. you know, on the ice. So I guess there's a little bit of you know roughness in every sport. Um, but I don't know. That's a 
deep conversation to have, I think, on whether or not you'd want your kid to play football because no one wants their child. No one wants anyone to get hurt. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, it's fascinating because my friend Jess, she's born and raised in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And I mean, football is religion down there. Like football is, I think the highest earning state official in Alabama is Nick Saban, who's the coach of Alabama. Like they're, they run shit down there mm -hmm. and every, everything in the South. So when I asked her this question, she's like, fuck yeah, he's playing football. Yeah. But then I asked someone who maybe isn't a football fan, maybe didn't grow up with it. Like you said, your dad played hockey. Yeah. But like. It's a very weird dynamic. And I, I haven't had a chance to ask people this question because Alan's not going to give birth to, to, <laughs> to, to someone, you know? So it's like weird, but I'm always fascinated by that. I guess the thing that. is too, it's like, how do I know that my child's not going to be a amazing or NFL level mm. quarterback one day? Right. And I'm robbing them of that opportunity because I've, you know, don't want them. I mean, obviously, I don't want them to get a concussion. But like, I guess it depends like how passionate they are. Maybe they try it out. And if they hate it, then that answers it for me. If they love it, it's just there's more awareness of, you know, all the risks that come with mm -hmm. it. But that's the thing. It is. That's why I was really I put an emphasis on the beginning of this conversation about the football and the concussions mm -hmm. and stuff. And I even think the NFL, too, is much more aware oh, yeah. and, and cognizant of the the health of their players. Right. Well, they also got hit with a big lawsuit. Yeah. And because back in the day, it was, oh, you're concussed? All right. Follow the finger. Yeah. What day is it? Sunday? All right. But get back out there. But then you had all those long-term impacts right. of concussions. Right. So now they actually have a doctor who is a neutral doctor, and they get buzzed from the booth up top mm -hmm. when they see... Oh, you know, Julio Jones is stumbling. Get him out. So they'll stop the game. Yeah. And even if Julio is trying to pretend that, oh, you know, everything is sunshine and rainbows. Well, he got to come out, mm -hmm. goes into the tent. Which is how it should be. Which is how it should be. Yeah. I don't I don't disagree or hate them for doing that. And I like that the game is a little safer. Like you have the purists that are like, oh, you know, back in the 70s, it was yeah. rough and tough. It's like, yeah, well, shit evolves. Right? Yeah. Like early 2000s, late 1990s you're able to smoke on planes mm -hmm. think about how crazy that is right but also what good is that if like oh it's all rough and tough back then and then right. your favorite player dies or gets injured yeah. so badly that they they can't play anymore you know what's yeah the fun yeah part? i think you have to be able to adapt with just technology and and current stuff like think about it dude five years ago if a car pulled up in front of your apartment was like, oh, here for Valerie. That wasn't a cab. Would you get into that? No. No, I mean, now it's Uber. Now it's like, Uber. It's like. There's so many things that. So, but it's, it's, it's the idea of adapting and it's weird. Like, I don't, I don't know if I would let my kid play football and I love football. I mean, I, you're also more in like the weeds in it than I am. too. Right. So like. I'd probably want to pick your brain and be like, well, why? If you love football so much, why wouldn't you want your kid? Right. Like, why wouldn't you want your kid to be to play football? Well, I think it's it does have to do a lot with the position to get super nerdy on it. If he's a wide receiver, running back, linebacker, where it's constantly yeah. you're in collisions. 
I'd be more hesitant. Now, if he's a quarterback, it's different because nowadays you can't even like, like, can't even blow on a quarterback. You're going to get penalized, and guys don't want to hit quarterbacks because they're going to get fined, they're going to get suspended. Mm-hmm. So you have that dynamic as well. There was a couple of years ago, Kyler Murray was the best player in college football. He won the Heisman Trophy, which goes to the best college player, yeah. and he was a legitimate baseball star. And the conversation was, does he play baseball or does he play football? And everyone was saying, well, baseball, the money's guaranteed. Mm -hmm. It's a safer sport, longevity. And I was saying, I was one of the few people that were just hammering the table like, dude, definitely play quarterback. So I would say like if it's a quarterback, yeah, go and play quarterback because it's, it's a, they get hurt still. Don't get me wrong. But it's a lot safer for that position. So I do think, to answer your question, it has to do with the position okay. more so than the actual sport because quarterbacks get paid just as much as baseball players do mm-hmm. nowadays, Like especially if you're like... But it's so much harder to be a quarterback than it is to be... I mean, there's less of a chance of, let's say, being a quarterback. Right, and I'm also talking about like for you to make the money money, you're talking about being a top seven yeah. player at your position. So there is that as well. But yeah, we're talking about the 1% of 1%. But yeah, I was, uh, I'm fascinated by that conversation. Like I would let them play. It's weird, right? I would let them play soccer, mm-hmm. but girls soccer is one of the highest concussion rates. My sister got a con- My sister played soccer for a while. She had gotten a concussion and she got stitches too. <laughs> yeah. So, but you I would mean, never, you would never assume. Right? You don't, you don't relate like, high injury i mean i guess like football a high contact sport i mean so it was soccer but in a different way but not really no football i mean you're colliding with people all the time yeah whereas with soccer like i wouldn't necessarily if you told me between football and soccer which one's more at risk of getting hurt like obviously it's football right you know what i mean yeah. so you don't necessarily relate soccer with being a sport where you get severely injured which you can like you screw up your knee you fall right, the right, right. i mean you can get really well yeah injured. like you're gonna you, you might tear an acl you might you know blow a hamstring or something but that doesn't leave long-term functioning daily functioning ramifications yeah. on you like cte and concussions mm-hmm. and you know not being able to walk like shit like that yeah. is extreme so that's where that so like uh, yeah, from. soccer is a safer choice let's say yeah when it comes when you're comparing it to football you know, yeah. or baseball is a safer choice too. But I mean, like I said, you can get injured in any sport, but football probably, I mean, the points that you're bringing up, I mean, there's just more chances of getting severely injured or having long-term issues mm-hmm. because of the contact. Interesting. Yeah. Very, um, very intriguing conversation about that. As we start to wind down, um, you wanted to ask me something about my show before. And then I was yes. like, save it for the pod. Because I love when people come on and they have questions as well. Because I love to talk. So, like, I like. So, would. Why did you name your show Veterans Minimum? So, the term Veterans Minimum is a very popular sports term where if you're a guy who, in team sports, let's use team sports as an example. Say you have played in the NBA for 15 years Mm -hmm. and you're 36 years old and you're at the tail end of your career. You used to be a star, but now you're just a role player or you're just a 
there for a veteran presence. You're there to usher in the young mm-hmm. guys. Like, hey, man, don't go to nightclubs till 5 a.m. And then you have a game at 7. Like, yeah. show them the ropes. A lot of times what you see is players will take less money signed for the veterans minimum to go and play for a team like the Lakers, who are the favorites to win the championship this year. So it's like, you know what? I'll take less money, but I'm going to play with LeBron and Anthony Davis and have a chance to win a championship. So maybe I haven't won a championship. Maybe I've been in the league for 15 years and I've gotten close all the time, but now I can take less money. So it was just like a a popular sports term. Got it. Interesting. Yeah, it was just something where uh, there was... There used to be five of us, and when we were starting to come up with names, it was sort of the one. I I can't take credit for the name. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one of us it was. I know it wasn't me, but I I don't remember exactly who it was from the rest of the guys. But it was like the only one that covered sort of all sports. There was like specialist was one of it because mm-hmm. like a kicker. I'm a kicker. Kickers and punters are called specialists. Mm-hmm. It was another one. It was like situational lefties, which is like a baseball term. We're like, well, we don't want to just talk about baseball. baseball. So veterans minimum kind of like guys do that in the NBA, the NFL, MLB, like all over. So it was just kind of a play on words to to get that. How long did it take you? I feel like picking out a name. It's a lot. It's taken a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It's a big it's, decision. Oh, yeah. It's not as if you're, yeah, you know what we're going to name it. This is like. All right, let's let's ask some people also yeah. before we go public with it and official because once you put it out there, that's why like oh, over there I was showing you some samples of new merch that I'm putting together, kind of just like messing mm-hmm. with the logo, different colors. But different... also like it is a good logo too. It like fits nice like the V and the M too. Yeah, it blends yeah. in. <laughs> the the colors are pretty simple and cool and and the patterns, it's a three color pattern so you can like anything more than three colors is kind of uh it gets a little too wild. Yeah. So just a, like a lot of samples. So that's how it's it's very, you know, like the clothes that I'm going to release is going to be in February. Like I've been planning it since nice. mid-December. So it is something where it takes a lot longer than people think to just come up okay. with a name and, and go with it. I'm so indecisive. I probably wouldn't have been able to. So I commend you for picking it. Well, yeah, it was nice to have <laughs> a lot of people's brains to pick. But listen, Val, I kept you long enough. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. No problem. This was a pleasure. Thank you for stopping by. Tell the people where they could find you on social media. If, uh, I don't know, they want to just My show up. My handle is very simple. It's Val Theophanis. I'll spell it for you because it's a long Greek name. Uh, T-H-E-O-F-A-N-I-S. So it's the same for my Twitter and my Instagram. Okay. I'll make sure to have your handle in the in the description of the podcast as well. And thank you all for listening. Whenever this is coming out, probably sometime in, in mid-January. But thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Homie, go finish your meal. I'm coming for real. Taking that food right off of your grill. Nikki too ill. Can't let a drop of me spill. Clogging the lane. I'm feeling the strain. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. Got it.